Coming up this week on Sporting Journal Radio. And I only lost two of his dogs temporarily. <laughs> in some cases, you bring your cocker, your lab in, and they're the pickup dogs, and the, and the pointers haven't moved. Those 600 hunters are creating a larger impact. I fish, I hunt, and always will. Broadcasting from the Alclair Outdoor Studios. Presented by OnX. Know where you stand with OnX. We're not just a radio show anymore. This is Sporting Journal Radio. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for tuning in on the network by demand or watching this on YouTube. Please like it and share it with your friends. I'm Brett Amundsen. That's Dan Amundsen right there. Hey. What up? What up? That's David Eckhart over there. Hello, hello. What up? What's up? Say it back, you loser. What up? What there up? you go. <laughs> what up? Uh, we got a really cool show. We're actually going to talk with uh, Ben Bredigan and George Lyle today about bird dogs. And the conversation is going to go from dog training to dog trips. And we're going to ask them how they feel about some of the restrictions being placed on non-resident hunters in uh, different parts of the country and also Canada as well and how that might affect them. And if they've got any Canadian trips planned, uh, that's all on the way. And... We'll find out if George lets dogs in his house yet, because that's it's always been one of George's rules. All right. Also, Joe Henry will check in from uh, Lake of the Woods to talk about a veterans event that takes place every year up at Lake of the Woods. That's a really uh, great event that we're happy to spread the word about. First, Dan, who are the sponsors this week? Live Target Lures. Matt's Hats at LiveTargetLures.com this summer. Lake of the Woods Tourism. Lake of the Woods is the walleye capital of the world. No matter what Lake Erie says, plan a trip for this <laughs> winter or summer at LakeofTheWoodsMN.com. Haybell Heights Campground and Resort. Book a trip to Devil's Lake. Learn more at HaybellHeights.com. Ottertail Lakes Country. Find your inner otter at OttertailLakesCountry.com. And Prairie Sportsman. Mm. The new season is wrapped up, but you can watch episodes anytime at the Prairie Sportsman YouTube channel, and I definitely spit all over my microphone doing that so we'll have to get a cleaning lady in here and take care of that or a cleaning man doesn't matter it's 2023 do you have enough money to pay for it because it's going to cost some money nope i need a raise hire somebody to clean this place yeah. all right uh so that's one of the youtube channels for youtube channels we tell you this every week you got a homework assignment that is to go subscribe and like the videos on four different youtube channels one is of course the one you're watching hopefully right now sporting journal radio i'll Prairie Sportsman YouTube channel as well. Our new one, the Fish Hunt Forever channel. And also Tazan Lake Lodge, where we're filming. We just got done filming. Actually, we're, no, we're still up there filming right now, I suppose. Way to break down the fourth wall. <laughs> where are we? Does this look like Saskatchewan? Yeah, so we had, a, we had to pre-record a couple of shows because we're going up to Saskatchewan. We're going to be on a remote island on Taz and Lake, and it's just easier if we <laughs> record before we go. Hopefully there's, like, no major breaking news. Like, hopefully, like, they yeah. didn't shut down deer hunting this week oh, or boy. something, and then we're just la-la-la talking about grouse <laughs> hunting <laughs> and pheasant yeah. hunting. And what are you doing this weekend? Oh, I don't know. It's three weeks from now, but... Well, well, we had to do that because we are uh, spending a couple of weeks on an island in northwest Saskatchewan, about as far north and west as you can go. It's a beautiful place. I love it up here. Dan had his first uh, trip up here last year. You loved it. That's why I'm going back. Yeah. I didn't give there. you, like, we didn't even discuss it. Like, it was like, well, this is the week you're, I'm going to go to Taz and okay, I'll mark it down too. Like, you didn't <laughs> ask. No. You didn't invite me. I think I pretty much invited you. I implied it at least. I'm glad we we're on the same page. Anyways, <laughs> then there's just David in the corner. Like, we got to oh, get David up there. I've invited David. When? I, I Several know. times. Yeah. Oh, why aren't you going? 
too busy. With what? You're a farmer. There's chickens to take care of. I got <laughs> eggs to hey, pick. By the way, did you do did you do did your not, homework? I did not. I gave David I did a homework not. assignment. <laughs> I saw a, a reel the other day where people were holding their chickens and then drawing a line in front of them. Have you guys seen this video? I've seen it. Yeah. I probably shared it in the group. Yeah. Have you ever done that? No. I tried once and I, we weren't holding the chicken down, just walked away before I drew the line. Okay. So. So, let's just back up a second. I asked him if he tried that and he said no. no. Well, <laughs> not successful. Are you listening? Okay. <laughs> so you did try it. It just didn't Like a work. year ago. But. So you're going to do it for two weeks <laughs> instead of going to task. That's what you're going to do. Two you better days. have it. Practice. You better have it down by the time yeah. we get back. You skipped a trip to Taz and Lake for this. <laughs> Um, Actually, I'm going to Sturgis, too. So yeah. Okay, so ride a motorcycle where it's 120 degrees or go World where it's like drop. 28 degrees. Celsius. I can't miss one. <laughs> catch, catch a lake drop. I can't miss one. Why not? Because I've been going this long. It'll, it'll, it'll be there when you get back. Yeah. <laughs> and the city's still there. You'll probably have a bunch of friends that'll send you snaps of everything that happens anyway. Probably. So. Gas is really expensive. Yeah. Not on a motorcycle. It's more expensive, but it's way better mileage. Yeah, well, you know what gets better mileage? A 25-horse Yamaha four-stroke <laughs> across the lake. A 16-footer. Yeah. yeah. Can't wait. Uh, so catch up on episodes now at uh, the Taz and Lake Lodge YouTube channel or go to tazandlake.com, and you can watch all the episodes. We've been going up there since 2016, or I've been going up there since 2016 filming a bunch of videos. So check them all out on the Taz and Lake Lodge YouTube channel. The other thing... Um, Go to Fish Hunt Forever because coming up very, very soon, we're going to be releasing our new film from Kodiak, Alaska uh, called Kodiak, a North American waterfowl film. I might, I think that's what the title will be when I put it out. But Do we want to play the promo now or should we wait till a commercial break? I uh, say wait till a commercial break. Let's yeah, talk about it. We'll give you a little tease of it here in just a little bit, but I've been, uh, I've been editing it nonstop lately and all it makes me want to do is go back, go back to Alaska. I hope we get to go back this year. Yeah. Our cousin was just up there a couple of weeks ago. Oh, Jeff, yeah. Jeff was fishing on Kodiak on Island. Kodiak, yeah. It's pretty, pretty jealous because that's uh, like the most beautiful place on earth. It's unreal. Uh, I'll, Mark, uh, I'll invite myself on that one. <laughs> <laughs> no farming in December, no chickens. Nope. To, <laughs> still chickens. You're still going to ride a motorcycle? or They'll figure it out. No Sturgis motorcycle nope. trips in December? Nope. Um, I, I, was, uh, I was editing part of the video the other day, and Mark Smith, who we were up there with, um, what was the line that he used? Packed his nuts up. <laughs> yeah. Well, there was that one, too. <laughs> but he said something about how... Everywhere you look, you want to take a picture. It's a postcard. Of Everywhere you look, it's yeah. a postcard. And yeah. I, and he's right. You know, we just filled up memory cards of just stuff going on. Everywhere you looked, you wanted to hit record and start filming or take a picture. And we're compiling it into a video that you'll be able to see on the Fish Hunt Forever uh, YouTube channel. We're really excited about it. It was unreal. It is a duck hunter's a mecca. And I really learned a lot. And we're going to try to show you some of the things that we learned about sea ducks and the sea duck research and how hard it is. Like you think about mallards, say, here in the central part of the United States, right? They, they fly down from Alberta and Saskatchewan. They fly down to uh, Arkansas, Louisiana, Texas, whatever. You know their routes. You can you hunt them the whole way up and down. Well, when you talk about sea ducks, they might be going from Alaska to Russia. <laughs> you yeah. know? Uh, they're flying and they're in some of the harshest 
terrain and oceans and tough weather, they are hard to monitor. So what we learned about researching sea ducks and how hard it is, we'll show you in, uh, we'll show you some of it here in this film. Kodiak, a North American waterfowl film, watch for it on the Fish Hunt Forever YouTube channel, or here's a little sample of it right here. Kodiak, a North American waterfowl film, is coming to the Fish Hunt Forever YouTube channel. I've been a sea duck hunter for about 30 seconds, and I've already got one that's probably going to go on the wall, so this is the coolest duck hunt I've ever been on. Presented by Boss Shot Shells, with support from Sitka and Beretta, and additional support from Alclair Outdoors, High Prairie Animal Arts, and the Association of Great Lakes Outdoor Riders. Watch Kodiak on the Fish Hunt Forever YouTube channel. Northern Minnesota's Walleye Factory is a year-round world-class fishing destination. The perfect getaway this summer is just a short drive to Lake of the Woods. Fish Big Traverse Bay, the Rainy River, or visit the unique Northwest Angle. To catch big fish, you have to go where the big fish are. Plan your trip to Lake of the Woods at lakeofthewoodsmn.com. That's lakeofthewoodsmn.com. All right, once again, it's time to check in with Joe Henry from Lake of the Woods Tourism to see how things are going up at Lake of the Woods, the walleye capital of the world. Joe, how you doing? Hey, guys. How you doing? Not too bad. You know, it's mid-August. Fishing is good year-round up at Lake of the Woods. And sometimes, I've had, actually had some better fishing in August than other times of the year at times up there, which is always uh, interesting. And there's, uh, there's some events that take place this time of year, including an annual one for veterans uh, that's coming back up here in a little bit, isn't there? You know, for a number of years, we have hosted and, and created this event called Paid Forward. And really, the purpose of Paid Forward is to honor, recognize, and celebrate all veterans. And we really work hard to bring diversity to our to our program, our veterans program. I say diversity. We, we try to have men and women. We try to have you know, different age groups. We try to have people from different branches of the military and really get them mixed up, you know. And, uh, boy, I'll tell you what, it's been a great event. Uh, we work with an organization out of the Twin Cities called Fishing for Life. Maybe you've heard of them with Tom Goodrich and his team and Chad Lanners and, and there's more. And, but, uh, you know, th those those people are experts with veterans and uh, and that sort of thing. So we've worked partnered with those guys for a long time. And uh, we put it on up at Lake of the Woods. We, we organize it. They certainly are a major part of it. And um, we bring about 60 to 70 veterans up every single year. We have been for a, a handful of years. And um, I tell you what, you guys, uh, it's a three-night, two-day fishing trip. Um, lots and lots of sponsors, including our great resort, Tupper Lake of the Woods. Many of them will donate, you know, lodging and donate their charter trips and the guide service and meals. And, and then, of course, we, we get donations for a lot of the other stuff. So it just works out real nice. And I got to tell you, man, every time we have this program, magic happens. There's always good things that happen during this program. And um, it's just been really, really successful. We're, we're, we're so fortunate to have the United States of America and the freedoms we have. We can't take it for granted. And we got to, uh, once in a while, uh, I think recognize the people who uh, made this all possible. Yeah. You know, anytime there's some sort of veterans event, I, I, I just think it's great because, uh, no matter how many of those happen and how many of those were a part of every time I go to one, I, I realize why we do it and why it, why it happens because every time it is a big deal and uh, just what it does for some of those vets that get a chance to go fishing, you know, this may be the only chance they get to go fishing and the chance for them to 
spend time with other vets and have a, um, you know, they can, you know, some of that they can talk to, some of that's relatable. Uh, for guys that, that didn't serve, it's not always easy for them to sit down and have a conversation with them. So being able to pair them up with other vets, especially at an event like that where you might get somebody in a different age group that was made that maybe fought in a different war or served in a different branch uh watching guys like that have a conversation and be able to relate and and just kind of you know hear similar but different stories from different experiences yet similar experiences if that makes sense uh, everything you say is so true and you know and, and you say guys obviously it's guys and gals you know yes, but uh, yeah of course I'll, I'll tell you what you know um I think the magic is we create the environment. You know, fishing's great. I mean, there's people that have been in this trip that, with tears in their eyes, they said they never thought they'd ever make it to Lake of the Woods. Maybe they couldn't afford it. Maybe whatever. But the point of it is, is that they they uh, they made it up there. And then you you talked about veterans getting together with other veterans. That is the magic. That is definitely the magic. We create a wonderful environment with wonderful meals, the, the fishing, charter boats. We do all charter boats, so it's real comfortable. Uh, but, but it's veterans spending time with other veterans. You know, when, when you get people together with from different branches of the military, they rib each other and such. But at the same time, don't cross that line. Maybe the first one to defend one another. Um, it's just a really cool culture. We've had people come back and, and say, I needed this. This changed my life. Um, and the other thing is, the other observation I have, Brad, is, you know, some of the people are have been in battles. They've been overseas and things. You know, there's some people that didn't, they didn't, they served our country. But it just so happened that, there wasn't a conflict at that time, and they stayed stateside. And a lot of times, those are the people that say, "You know what? Give it to somebody else." And, and what I found is, people, even people like that, veterans like that, really benefit from a program like this. A lot of times, they they come to actually help out other veterans, but in turn, they actually get help themselves. Maybe they don't realize that they're going through stuff, and it just works out nice. Still, one of my favorite episodes of Prairie Sportsman that we've done when we. Uh, attended that veterans event up at uh, Lake of the Woods a couple of years ago. And you can watch that on the Prairie Sportsman YouTube channel. Well, that Pay It Forward, Joe, Pay It Forward, is coming August 29th through September 1st. Pay It Forward uh, Low. Pay It Forward, L-O-W.org is a website. Otherwise, there's a link to it on your website too, right? There is, yes. Yep. And uh, you know what? Uh, uh, it's PayItForwardLOW.org. And uh, uh, you know, it's just a, it's a great event. If you happen to be a veteran or, or know of a veteran who might be interested in that program, don't be afraid to, you know, to, to get your application in. You know, I think uh, uh, this year's event is August 28th to August 31st, uh, 2023. So it's usually you arrive on a Monday and have an opening dinner and then uh, get a couple of days of fishing and have a nice breakfast on Thursday and depart. So it's just the right amount of time as well. All right, Joe. Well, if people want to learn more about that or uh, plan a trip to Lake of the Woods, what should they do? You know what? Hey, check out our website, and that is lakeofthewoodsmn.com. Live Target, the leader in Match the Hatch, is back with new lures that also match the action. Introducing the Live Craw. The Live Craw is irresistible to bass, walleye, and other freshwater species. FTEX winner, the ultimate frog, looks and acts just like a swimming frog. With an exposed ultra point mustad hook and replaceable legs, the ultimate frog has two styles, two sizes, and eight colors. And ICAST and FTEX winner, the live shrimp, mimics a fleeing shrimp for saltwater anglers. Coming soon from Live Target. 852 million acres of public land, 147 million private properties, all in the palm of your hand. 
The number one hunting GPS app just got better. With hundreds of custom map layers, 3D and topographic maps, you can easily scout on the road or at home before you go. And now you can get important weather details, CWD detection, and even know what crops have been planted where. Get the most trusted hunting GPS app ever made. Onyx. Know where you stand with Onyx. All right, this is Sporting Journal Radio. I'm Brett Amundsen. Thanks for tuning in on the network by demand or watching this on YouTube. Make sure you like and share this with your friends. We appreciate it. Along with Dan Amundsen and David Eckhart. And we are uh, still up in Saskatchewan, actually. And one of the one of the things that I did up here at Tazan Lake is, uh, since there's no cell phone reception, is I actually downloaded offline maps on my OnX app. So if we get to a place where I need to know where the heck I am, maybe we have boat trouble or something like that, I've got some offline maps, which is a pretty cool feature I like from OnX. And there's a bunch of new features available now too. We're gonna talk some OnX, we're gonna talk some uh, bird hunting and, and dog training uh, with Ben Bredigan from OnX and also George Lyle is joining us here on the show. Gentlemen, how you doing? I appreciate it. I understand why you didn't respond since I called you guys gentlemen. You weren't sure I was talking to you guys. <laughs> yeah. I was I was just being I was being polite. I figured, you know, you know, my younger, you know. You know, not everyone respects their elders as much as Ben does, so I wanted him to <laughs> And it looks like did George, are you censoring something out in your office right now, that wide shot? It looks like you're I gotta work on that. <laughs> Yeah. Well, something we there we can't. Uh, we discovered uh, the second I turned the camera on that uh, my computer may have been <laughs> bumped or something. <laughs> the camera is definitely off to the side. Well, hitting, hitting it did not fix it. <laughs> we won't tell Runnings how you tried to fix it. Maybe. <laughs> well, I'm going to try again. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Well, uh, how, how you guys been doing? Now, you guys. Uh, you know, a lot of people around here will fish in the summertime, and I, I've always been more of a hunter, but I uh, spent, I've definitely spent more time fishing than I normally do the summer. But you guys uh, probably been running around there with dogs a lot this year, haven't you? Definitely. Um, I, I don't even know where my tackle box is, so. <laughs> <laughs> and I have a fishing boat. And it hasn't been in the water yet. So, uh, no, it's dogs, 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 and more dogs, and planning upland hunts, and just the whole preparation for uh, for this fall. So, that's that's the easy thing about tackle boxes and fishing rods. I know exactly where mine are. They're on a shelf. <laughs> but the, the problem is with dogs is like you can put them on a shelf, but they don't last very long. <laughs> they don't stay so there. You, Exactly. So you, you, you've, you've got to be, you know, doing something with them almost, you know, every week at least and really every day. So, um, yeah. So yep. it just kind of takes over your life. And George has got four of them. I've got four of them. So now I remember when you had one, Ben, and then you started hanging around George. And now you got as many. Did, did George talk into getting more dogs or is it, it's like a, you get addicted to it, don't you? Once you have a couple, you want to have a couple more exactly exactly and and once you have like two then you might as well get five at this <laughs> that point it's just more dog food i know i've got two right now and i've got a so i got a, a tw uh well it's how old is me 12 year old and uh and a three-year-old actually me uh, tiny just turned three and i keep telling dan i'm like i'm getting a third one 
and he doesn't think I should. Good luck. You have fun. <laughs> Who's going to watch him when you go to Taz? You don't watch him now anyway. I wasn't saying I, I was going to do it, but my parents are going to do it if you get three of them. Yeah, that, well, that's the problem. I can like, guarantee it's, you. It's hard to, you know, like, how do you guys do it? Uh, you know, we, we like when we go to Saskatchewan, thankfully a Taz and I can bring the dogs with me, but it gets hard to travel when you got dogs like that. And uh, George, I, I tell everybody uh, when I build a house, I'm going to build a house just like yours because I think, especially where you got the dogs, that's like a perfect setup where you got your dogs, George. Yeah, thanks. Um, it was uh, it was on a purpose plan, and um, I mean, like you said, you've been to the farm, and and I've got space for the dogs. I got space for multiple dogs if guests come, and uh, it's you know you've hung out in the kennel. I think it's a pretty special place to hang out at and especially uh, go hunting from and come back to and cold day fire up the fire and and uh stay warm and the dogs can like i said the dogs can be right there with you so well and it, uh yeah ex explain your kennel setup just a little bit for people because it's it's essentially indoor outdoor but the outdoor is kind of sheltered correct so what i did is i uh i want my dogs are kennel dogs. They don't come in the house, but my house is attached to the kennel. And so when you go out and you're in the hangout area, the whatever, like the hangout area in the, in the kennel and the fire's going, all the dogs can be with us. So I have my dog, interior dog runs, and the space is heated. And uh, on a day like today, uh, down here when it's 100 degrees, it's air conditioned also. So they have a four by four area, each dog individually. Uh, so again, heated and air conditioned, then they can walk through the dog door and then in a four by 10 individual runs outside. And that's in, it's outside, but inside. So it's a lean to with, uh, overhead doors on each end. So spring, summer, early fall, I have it open all the time. Fresh air is going through there. Uh, there's a gutter system. They can go to the bathroom out there. We hose it down, we shovel it, whatever we got to do. But in the winter time, they can still utilize that space. Both doors are closed, and I don't have four feet of snow in there. So um, it, I love it. It works great for me. Um, if, I ever, uh, if I ever build another place, uh, I'll do the same thing. So it works great. That gutter system, I think, may be the best part. I mean, obviously, having the overhead shelter in the, sh in the shade and then being able to open up the ends to have air blow through, but being able to just hose everything off, Cause it's a, they're on, they're on concrete. Is that concrete in there? Yes. It's there on concrete and, um, a polished concrete sloped, sloped to a gutter system, hose everything down. The gutter washes out to the outside and, uh, we take care of it, dispose of it. Now you say your, you say your dogs aren't indoor in the house dogs, but I think I, I, I many, Okay, there's one. There's <laughs> one. There's one that has special treatment, and, and and everyone that sees her can understand why she bats those little eyes at you. She's a bundle of you know energy at 18 pounds, and uh, a warrior at 18 pounds. And I mean, you and Dan have seen her out duck hunting, uh, and in what she can do at her size and weight, uh, retrieving ducks, geese. Uh, pheasants uh, just to see her retrieve a pheasant is crazy enough uh when she picked up her first um uh, sage grouse i thought there's no way this is going to happen and that bird was twice the size of her so yeah 
How did uh, that she go? does have a dog bed in the in the house, but she comes <laughs> in the house with me. She's not left there, and she comes in and, and when she's in the house, it's probably bedtime, and she goes and lays down on her bed. But yeah, she does come in. The other dogs don't. And that's that's uh, she's an uh, English cocker spaniel. English cocker. Yep. Those are cool dogs. And I remember, I think I was hunting with Anthony Hawk one time and he had a couple and I'd never, I'd never been around those dogs. And I was kind of blown away by them. I almost got one after that. And then especially being around Minnie and seeing Minnie hunt like that. Those are, those are great dogs, George. They are wonderful. You know, if I, uh, I think they're a great fit for me. I'm running big running, uh, pointers and have something that can work close we don't we tend not to miss anything you got the pointers out there doing anything they come across game they're going to lock up on point and we can walk over there and then Minnie does the flushing but if the birds circle and the dogs or get somehow we you know there's space in between us and that bird gets uh uh out back behind the the pointers she's there to to find them and you'll know right away when she's on a bird so that's uh, George yeah, That's George, George Lau right there and Ben Bredigan joining us right now, too. And, uh, Ben, we got to take a, a break here in just a second. But you, I want to talk about the dogs that you have because you, you grew up with – did you grow up with labs? Short hairs. Short hairs. Yeah. Okay. All right. Because um, you've, been, you've been really into uh, – you've kind of immersed yourself in the dog world. It, just, despite being around dogs, you've really gotten into it recently, haven't you? Yeah, exactly. I mean, growing up, it was it was more sane. You know, we'd have one dog at a time. <laughs> and I was like, one dog is fun. Two dogs will be more fun, et cetera, et cetera. And, and it is true. But uh, um, all right, well, let's I've take got- a let's take a quick break. Hold that thought for a minute. We'll take a quick break on the radio network. We'll come back with Ben Bredigan and George Lyle here on Sporting Journal Radio. Devil's Lake is legendary, and this summer has been legendary for walleyes. Don't miss out. Call Haybell Heights Campground and Resort today to book one of their modern cabins on East Bay. The cabins are furnished with a full bathroom, kitchen, and all the amenities like high-speed internet and are clean following CDC guidelines. Staying at Haybell Heights gives you full access to a private boat launch, fish cleaning station, and beach area. Learn more at haybellheights.com. That's haybellheights.com. Plan your trip to legendary Devil's Lake today. Did you know there are more than 1,000 lakes in Ottertail County? Yep, and I'm going to fish as many as I can. I'm an outdoorsy otter. Nothing beats a full day of fishing for me. The lakes of Ottertail County give me plenty of options to lower my boat and snag the perfect catch. Not an outdoorsy otter? No problem. Ottertail County has something for everyone. You just need to find your inner otter. To find your inner otter, go to ottertaillakescountry.com. We're back, Sporting Journal Radio. Thanks for watching this or listening to this wherever you are doing that. Dan Amundsen, uh, David Eckhart with us, along with Ben Bredigan and George Lyle now here on the show. And we, we're talking dogs and dog training and bird hunting. And uh, Ben, in recent years, I mean, you grew up hunting, you grew up around dogs, but in recent years, you've really gone headfirst into the dog world, haven't you? Yeah, 100%. It's uh, it's It's been an absolute blast. And, and just learning learning about different breeds of dogs, experiencing dogs working pretty much all across the country. So, um, yeah, I, I started out with, with the Drought Hires 1 and 2 with Annie and Herb. And then, uh, you know, actually through Travis Frank, I kind of got introduced to George. And actually, I think, George, in my phone, 
I think uh, I think your description is still like English pointers slash runnings or something <laughs> like that. So well, uh, you do have you yeah. did catch the illness of pointers. I'm pretty sure for oh, yeah. me. And uh, yes. you know, I'm I'm kind of proud of that actually that you got a real bird dog. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. Wow. All right. So, I mean, is there any hope? I, I got two labs and I've, I pheasant hunt all the time. And, uh, I, I have thought every time I think about getting a new dog guys, I think about, gosh, maybe this time I'll get a pointer and I still waterfowl hunt a lot. And I, I just, I love labs and I can't get away from them. Is there hope George for a guy like me to someday get a real bird dog? <laughs> Uh, well, I've hunted with you and you do have real bird dogs. So, um, I think labs are great. I've had just about every breed on the planet and, uh, it had a lot of labs and I don't think you can miss on, on having a lab around. Um, No, you could could get a pointing lab. Oh God, stop. Don't, don't, don't. David makes one contribution. David, Gone. get him out of here. Make, make this panel disappear. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, seriously. I, never, I mean, uh, I don't know. Let's get a flushing pointer. I mean, isn't that yeah, I only say that because we had a lab that would point once in a while. And then we switched I, over to wire hairs. Got it. They are out there, David. I just giving you a hard time. Yeah. We didn't train that dog to point. She would just do it randomly once in a while. Well, and, <laughs> and, I, and we're and like, I, this is pretty fun. And then we started buying wire hairs. And I honestly, I think that's a legit question because I know there are some, some labs out there that naturally point. Uh, you know, there are some trainers that train labs to point or whatever. But, um, you know, is there, you know, from the perspective of a dog trainer, George with a guy that's got a couple flushers like I do labs is there I mean would you even go down that road to try to work you know like say tiny who's still pretty young to try to work some pointing into her or would you just get a get a pointer um I I would think the instincts all there right every dog points because they all come from wolves they're and I'm not saying like traditional like pointing like a like a pointer does or a setter um but if they didn't, they would never catch anything, right? If the, wolf, if the wolves run through the woods willy-nilly and don't pause and don't hunt methodically and have that stop to chase, which stop to chase is, is a point, um, they would never eat, so they would be gone. Um, if, if you have a, let's just stay with a lab, if your lab shows a tendency of pointing, definitely you could, you could work into that uh, into your, in your training and your, in your workouts. And pretty soon I think you'd have a pretty good dog that would stand its birds. Um, without it, I mean, like many, I'm not going to sit there and try and see if I can get a cocker, especially many to point. There's just no way she has no, uh, inner being of like, I'm going to stop and see if that bird really wants to wait on me. She's going to go in and get it. Yeah, and then to your point, George, like you can train, you can train any dog to quote unquote point. It's not, you know, while while in a pointing breed, it is genetic, right? It makes it way easier. Like all you have to do is when you train the dog to when it smells a bird, it just stops, right? And you can call that whatever you want. You can call it pointing or whatever. So 
you know, the whole pointing lab thing, if it makes you happy, great. But is it really pointing? I, I, I guess so. I, I'd well, agree with that. Yep, yeah, sorry. I think the biggest thing would be just to, to keep your dog from ranging too far and, and, you know, flushing a bird wild or something like that, whatever. I mean, really, unless you're competing, I think the idea would be to just get your dog not, you know, to flush a bird within range or at least let you get, get close enough for it. So, it, Exactly right. So let's go to a hunting situation. Ideally, all our flushing dogs should do what? They should stop and sit down. The second that bird flies, you know, all, all your Springer people out there would say, hop, you know, that dog's supposed to hop and, and sit down and watch the bird fly away. Once it makes game, flushes the game, hop means to sit down and watch it fly away till the bird goes down. It all depends on what the individual wants, but I would say a high-end Springer guy is going to say, that, that dog better hop when that bird flies and sit down. Um, and it's a great practice for everybody. I mean, um, how many dogs you see out there, you go on a South Dakota pheasant hunt and everyone wants to run their dogs and the second the birds start popping, uh, you know, the dogs are jumping and, and, you know, giving really hard chase to that bird and they're coming out of the cover with the bird. It can be a dangerous situation. So the more, Brett, to your point, I mean, you don't want, you want your dog in control and that's, that's what we're really after. So, um, yeah, I mean, a stop to a stop to flush ideally for safety would be is, is kind of the goal what kind and of, george what makes it sound right really george what makes it? it sound easy like oh but like it, it requires a lot of training even to get to that point so I, I mean would you agree george like i would say the vast majority of people don't have a dog that will stop to flush i would say the numbers are extraordinarily high that do not stop to flush yeah it takes lots of birds it takes lots of reps uh it takes a trained dog yeah no different than a pointer standing there and backing and then when all chaos breaks loose when when a covey of hungarian partridge fly that those pointers stand there like boom you know mm -hmm. and don't move a muscle and all the shooting's going on and uh birds dropping um and then you know in some cases, you bring your cock or your lab in, and they're the pickup dogs, and the and the pointers haven't moved. And there's yeah, been three hunters going and firing guns, you know. So, yeah, and after having it, it's like, man, I, it, it'd be hard to go back. But without experiencing it, it's like, oh, you know, I don't need it. And you know, you get this, I don't know, the age-old adage of, well, I don't want my dog to be broke because then it's not on the, you know, if a, I shoot a pheasant in it. You know, it runs away. I want that dog to be right on it. Jeez. And there's some merit to that, but it's really nice to have a, a broke dog. Yeah. I, I go back and forth on it so much. Uh, it just, I, I'd, I'd end up, if I, I'd probably just have like 10 dogs. You're going to have like one of each. <laughs> yeah, because I wouldn't be able to decide, oh, I want one of those, I want one of those. And I don't have, I feel like half the time I don't have enough time for them as it is. And this time of year, it's it's important to take time with those dogs. I mean, maybe not when it's 100 degrees outside, but make sure that you're working with your dog in the off season so that when hunting season does roll around, they're not out of shape. They're, they've got some of the, maybe you're reinforcing some of those fundamentals so that they don't get rusty and, and uh, they're, you know, some of the bad habits are starting to seep through that can happen throughout the summer and the off season. So now's the time to, to really work on them. And Ben, I know you've been a part of a lot of uh, um, 
some some competitions and you've been working a lot with dogs. I want to talk a little bit more about what you've been doing and how important it is to do that during the off season. And George, you can weigh in on that stuff too. Um, what what who have you been? Who have you been working with this summer? What what organization you've been working with? Um. So. You know, like in terms of the field trial stuff, are you talking? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So the field trial is all it's it's the Minnesota Cover Dog Association, uh, which is the field trials that we run are sanctioned under uh, the American Field. So they are they're they're true bird dog competitions. It's uh, you know essentially it's not the same, but it's like if you go and look at the national championship, um, same organization, but we run our our dogs in the woods on wild gross and woodcock and obviously walking and not on horseback and how often how often are you doing that so our trials we have um so in in our region here the minnesota wisconsin area we have uh three different field trial uh, i guess uh clubs so we have minnesota and we have Moose River, which is up, up kind of in Douglas County area of Wisconsin, and then the Chippewa Valley, which is near uh, Chippewa Falls. So uh, normally each club will run a fall championship and then uh, a spring trial as well. So normally there's about uh, probably eight, eight per year, and then we've got some other ones, like the, on the Namakagan Barrens, a club called the NBHA national bird hunters association they run a, a a trial out there on sharpies there's a few in north dakota so um there are a number of things around to go do all right um uh, i want to talk a little bit more about uh some of that talk about maybe some of the trips that you guys have planned uh coming up this year and also talk about some of the new things uh with onyx but we got to leave the radio network behind uh if you want to continue this conversation join us on youtube on the sporting journal radio channel or download the podcast at sportingjournalradio.com more with ben bradigan and george Lau coming up on the podcast all right uh i know you guys have taken a lot of trips together uh bird hunting trips around the around the country do you guys have any any big epic trips planned that you can talk about yet yep <laughs> oh, really? uh, where do we start do we start september 1st or not george we all we always well okay <laughs> we always want to start september 1st but someone here has another obligation so i can't make the september 1st deal work but um i'll catch up with ben a week and a half later ben two weeks later yeah. maybe yep middle of i think what the 14th 14th of september we head to uh alberta oh really mm-hmm. yeah or sharp tails hungarian partridge oh, huns yep yeah, yeah so it's it's something i i've never done before george i don't you've never done it so we're just kind of we're going up there and we're just gonna we're gonna figure it out and kind of uh saskatchewan and alberta is is the hun mecca of of uh north america so we're gonna go where the huns are that's cool there I, I there's a two few huns what's that David? i saw two huns this morning on the way up here really mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah that's great don't <laughs> say anything yeah, <laughs> yeah no kidding Where you david, that's, yeah david that's awesome i've also seen uh huns somewhere in minnesota <laughs> <laughs> well i just mean i haven't and, seen huns there and and fairly no right 
Yeah, I saw, I saw a covey of huns last December. I do an annual family and friends hunt at the farm, and my daughter was like, "Dad, look at those, look at those birds over there." And I look off to the side of the road, and I think the covey was easily sixteen to twenty strong. Oh wow! Oh, it was cool as all get out. I was like, "Whoa!" And I've seen, um, I've seen them on three different occasions this spring, different that, places oh. around me. Was that the same place that was it Tucker that had that one pinned by those that covered by the marsh on that nope, dog training spot? That, so that makes four. Sorry, four different Dang. coveys that I could go to right now, and and uh, yeah, I wouldn't. Just, I'm gonna leave I never alone, see him but, anymore, so I just thought it was yeah. cool. Like, oh well, man, Damn. And you know, George, they're probably all because that pair that you and I saw when we were hunting a few years ago, and we let them go. They that's probably they're all, they they just that's yeah, these are all their brood. You guys are like the next Johnny Morris conservation. <laughs> yes, Brett. It's because you and I we are the ultimate conservationists. You're welcome, Minnesota. Yeah, yeah thank yeah. I would no, love to see him make a cash prize or something. <laughs> oh, they're such an awesome bird. When I saw those birds, and I've had them pointed and walked up, and when you're thinking a, a pheasant's going to fly up in front of you, and also in a covey of huns bursts out you're like holy cow and then you kind of raise your gun because they are legal in the state of minnesota and uh and you kind of let them go because like david just said it's like wow so cool to see huns in in, uh in minnesota do you do you guys think that they should close the season in minnesota on them do you think that's even feasible you know do you think that would make a difference I don't think it would honestly make a difference. I think so few are shot that it, yeah. it, it doesn't hurt the population. It's more so, uh, you know, huns kind of live and die with small grains. So especially, you know, in, in Georgia's region in that area, it's pretty much dominated by corn and soybeans uh, where they really need a lot more wheat. So I think as, as it, it's shifted more over to away from small grains that that's where you're you're seeing the population declines. As well as just habitat. That's why North Dakota has seen decent numbers, yet Minnesota hasn't. And probably why there's so many more in Canada. There's a lot more. David, Mm -hmm. you need to start growing more wheat down there, dang it. Yeah. You're killing all the Huns. Yeah, that's what it is. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Because you guys. I will will say that these Huns are by wheat. And I'm seeing more wheat on the landscape down here. This uh, the winter wheat, you know, will be harvesting here pretty soon. And, uh, there's pretty good standing crop around here, probably more than I've seen recently. But Ben's right. I mean, where with the hunting has zero impact on the Hungarian partridge in Minnesota. Um, you guys have hunted North Dakota in recent years. You guys have you guys seen an increase in huns over there? I know a couple of years ago we were talking about the numbers being up. I guess I don't remember recent data. Yeah, it's it's been very strong, and just depending on what part of the state you're in. Um, some areas are, have been better than the others, but it seems like, you know, we've been through, through some really weird years in the last four or five years. So just, just whether it's pre- precipitation, lack of precipitation, winter, um, but Huns, have, 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 they've, they've fared pretty well out there. Um, and I don't know, George, if, if you agree with this, but I haven't seen them fluctuate nearly as much as roosters, as pheasants have with different changing conditions I, I agree with that yeah I totally agree with that it just seems like 
Hungarian partridge, again, they're going to fluctuate with the weather cycle and they might just move, you know, where pheasants to me seem like they don't move anywhere. If they lived in that slough, they're going to live and die in that slough. And if that slough dries up or it's burnt out or their habitat's been taken away, you know, I just think the Huns, the sharp tails, I mean, the sharp tails have been in the landscape for a billion years. So, yeah. uh, you know, that's what's so great about sharp tails. I mean, they're, they're our bird, you know, and mm. uh, no matter what the weather does to them, it always seems like they kind of hold on there. And yeah, I think if you're going to chase uh, sharp tails and huns, North Dakota might not be a bad place to go try it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and people ask every year, like, oh, man, how, how is the winter? Are the Sharpies going to be good? It's like they don't care about the winter. I mean, like George said, they, they were They're adapted tough. to this climate. So it's like, yeah, they'll trust. They'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Where pheasants, it's like they can take like 50, 60, 70 percent swings in population. Sharpies just kind of ride it out. What about other birds? Do you guys have any uh, any mountain trips or anything else planned? Georgia, you want to take this one? What are we doing? <laughs> well, uh, again, we're heading to Alberta for the Huns, which we were just yep. talking about. Um, they'll definitely be rough grouse hunting in Minnesota. Um, I always spend a week in Wisconsin um, for a week. Maybe I already said that. Anyway, in northern Wisconsin, I'll be there. Um, I think Mr. Ben here is going to come visit us for a couple days. Yeah. Uh, so rough grouse is definitely on it, and sharpies in the Dakotas, uh, definitely. Yeah. Then probably a little bit of probably a little bit of Kansas. We were just talking about this that this morning, going down there and, and chasing after some bobs for you know a oh, long cool. weekend. Um, and then also we were talking this morning is, is going back down. Last year we did uh, New Mexico and Arizona, and that was an absolute riot. We were chasing scaled quail, gambles, and then the the Montezuma or the Mern's quail, and and that I had such a I had a blast down there. It's something I uh, look forward to doing. Probably going to do again next year. Yeah, you know, you know, I'll just if you don't mind, I'll jump in there. You know, you got a really good friend when he calls four dogs that he doesn't own uh all your gear your shotguns your shells all everything and then your buddy me flies down and he picks picks me and he picks me up now i didn't make the ride back with him but man i'm like ben's like well i'm going down there anyway and i'm like well i have a business trip down there can i can you haul my stuff down absolutely i mean ben bredigan is like the bomb so that was and, and again i'd never hunted desert birds before and i got my i got my desert slam ben uh ben took care of me and and uh, uh showed it showed me the way you know and we had a blast absolutely off the chart awesome one one probably because i've never been there but yeah. um two to be there with 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 a great friend and 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 we have you know i think we have pretty good dogs so we got the job done it was it was fantastic and i only lost two of his dogs temporarily (laughs) (laughs) literally literally i'm sitting in southwest minnesota hand the dogs off see you later uh i think two and a half hours into the trip my phone rings and it's ben and i think he's just bored and he's like wanting to call 
and he and he's got this nervous like um, flutter in his voice, and he goes, uh, "Rip is missing. Rip's my new. Uh, it was one. He was ten months old, ten month old English pointer. He's missing. I'm like, what do you mean he's missing? You don't. He's ten months old. I told you." Don't take him off the truck without a rope on him or some kind of traction. I, I had an electronic rope. That's true, and he was and he was trained, but I'm not yeah. sure Ben ever turned the collar on. No, I'm just I kidding. Did. I don't know. He said he goes. I literally had the dogs off the truck. I turned around for 30 seconds, and your puppy's gone. And, and uh, I don't know. 45 minutes later, and trying to back a full size truck and a dog trailer up a muddy one mile uh, access road to, to a uh, to a state uh, wildlife area or whatever. Took Ben a little while. I got a phone call from a landowner saying, are you missing an English pointer? Actually, I think he said, are you missing a white dog? I said, yeah, white dog with half a patch on an eye. His name's Rip. My buddy will be there in a minute. That was our two and a half. Then fast forward. Ben goes to Kansas. He goes to Southern New Mexico. Anyway, and then I went to so Western New Mexico. He's in Western New Mexico. I'm sitting in my office, phone rings again. And I'm like, okay, he's going to tell me how the hunt's going. Um, again, that same nervous flutter. <laughs> he goes, uh, Tucker's, Tucker's gone. Tucker is my, Tucker's 10 now. I go, how do you lose a 10 year old dog? He's older than 10. <laughs> Uh, okay, might be 11 this year. Yeah. Anyway, gone. So and what happened there? He's, he's hunting with some other uh, uh, great gal, Katie Willis. Um, she's awesome. She's hunting with her friend. They're up on this high high point of ground, and Ben calls her on his cell phone and goes, Hey, do you see a white? She runs uh, wire hairs. Do you see a white dog over by you? And she, you know, she's pretty... You know, when she's hunting, she means it. She's like, don't bother me, I'm hunting. And she happens to <laughs> casually look across the landscape, sees this white dog just, you know, out there cutting a the rug, you know, just working it. And uh, anyway, without Katie, we might not have seen Tucker again because no collar. Well, and again, George, he, George said, he said, well, when, when I first called, he's like, are you sure he's not under the truck or the trailer? I was like, no. He's like, well, go check all the holes. Like, he doesn't go anywhere. And yeah. I was like, dude, trust me, we've had the drone out. Like, we had a drone we were looking <laughs> for him. And they were, like, two miles away, and we were in the middle of nowhere. Oh, boy. So, like, with Rip, I was like, oh, like, he'll he'll go somewhere, right? He's a he's a dumb young dog. Like, he'll end up somewhere. Just don't – I don't want you to end up on the highway. But with Tucker, it's like – I mean, Tucker is known to run quite large. So, yeah. it was like, we're like, nobody's going to find him out here. Like – no. Zero, like there is fifty miles around us. There is not civilization. And you're hunting quail, so that dog's gonna go out there. And if he's at a half mile away and goes on point, and the quail decide to just sit there, I mean, he'll stand there for an hour, an hour and a half, two hours, and just not move. Birds, yeah. So you know, that's anyway, a, the dogs are home. That's, <laughs> that's a scary feeling when you lose your own dog, and especially a young one that might get nervous and either lock up somewhere or just keep running. Um, but, but when it's somebody else's, <laughs> that's, that's gotta be even worse. Uh, do you, yeah. I, I mean, do you guys, 
Are you guys running collars with any sort of GPS on them or anything like that? Or you, you have a way to track them on there? Yeah, yeah we're normally, always... yeah, running Good. Garmin Garmin Alphas. Um, but you got to put them on for them to work. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, after about it, after about two weeks of doing that, like three times a day, putting GPS collars on eight dogs. Oh, that gets to be a lot of work. So it's like, dude, you like you're 11 years old. You're not going to go anywhere. Like, I'm just not going to put it on this time. Rip got a collar every single time uh, after that. But I was like, oh, Tucker, you're fine. Like, you're, you haven't gone more than 20 yards from me this whole time. And then he does. So, yeah. Last so his, year. Go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead, George. Well, last year, I got to say it was pretty. It was an epic and I don't throw the word epic around too much, um, but 2022-2023 bird hunting season was off the chart. I had a 10-month-old pointer. We worked our tails off. Ben helped me last spring with him when he was just a tiny little shaver. And uh, got him through. He, he progressed really, really well, really fast. 10 months old. We are opening day Montana. We were, I hunted North Dakota, I hunted South Dakota with them, all prairie birds. So good birds that hold tight. That pup probably saw in his first season in excess of, I don't know, Ben, 600 plus birds. Oh yeah, easily. Um, I mean, in Montana, he had to see 150 alone. Yeah, easily, easily. There, I mean, he locked up on one covey of Sharpies that probably had 30, at least 30, 35 birds in that one covey. And uh, it was like that over and over and over. And and I can't even count the number of birds that he pointed, species. Uh, you know, American woodcock, rough grouse, Bob White quail, sharpies, huns, prairie chickens, uh, Montezumas, scalies, and what am I Gambles. missing? Gambles. And there must be one other bird in there. Maybe not. When, but anyway, when did you sage grouse so. hunt? Uh, sage grouse was back in 2017, actually. That, that was Wyoming. Wyoming. That was Wyoming. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. But that so, puppy is, he's, he's had a hell of a puppy development. When you yeah, asked if I know where my fishing rods are, <laughs> no, yeah. it's birds. <laughs> Don't care. With all the travel that you guys do and have done, are you guys worried at all about the trend in non-resident restrictions? Uh, and it's mostly been waterfowl or turkey and obviously deer. Um, and, and there are some restrictions on pheasant hunters, I guess, uh, in the Dakotas. Do you Are you worried that there could be more restrictions on non-residents in some of these places that you guys have traveled? There's definitely, and like the trend obviously is happening like with Manitoba and waterfall and in Kansas and all that kind of stuff. But like we're, we're definitely starting to see it uh, on the upland side too. For example, um, Montana is uh, there. We're trying to, they did some studies and tried to figure out uh, non-resident versus resident pressure. And I don't know if it ever passed or not, but it was something like they were trying to restrict non-resident bird hunters to like 21 days as well as um you, you know the trend for the last 100 plus years as people from the south professional trainers 
would uh, even, yeah, 100 years ago, they'd take trains and ship dogs all the way up to the prairies of Montana and Canada um, to train on, on wild birds. So um, now that I, I believe there's a restriction, I know you need to get a permit for training more than four dogs, I believe. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, they, there's definitely, definitely restrictions on, on non-residents. I think that's just going to unfortunately be a trend that's going to continue. And it, I mean, I, it's hard because I see both sides of it too, as, you know, as someone that lives in an area that can see a lot of pressure from non-residents or, or non-local people, I can understand why some of these places would protect it for, for residents or, or local hunters, but man, it's gotta, it's just gotta put a crimp in the tourism, you know, in the, uh, and, and, you know, when you make plans, I mean, have you guys ever canceled a trip because of new restrictions or thought, well, let's not, let's maybe go somewhere else because some, some things might be changing there? I, I have not yet. Um, and as far as, Red, uh, I think the, the direction you're going there, it's like, okay, what about the economic impact? Right. Because the places Ben and I are going, um, you know, these counties have, the county area has thousands of residents maybe like literally a thousand you know i mean we're not talking uh the population density of humans is, is just so low that i can't imagine the impact that non-resident hunters bird hunters especially and i'll, I'll strictly talk about upland bird hunting um yeah you're gonna have your influx on opening weekend maybe opening week but after that, it just drops off dramatically. And the amount of resident hunters out there pursuing maybe sharp-tailed grouse, I think some people in prairie grouse regions, some of the places I hunt, they look at me like, you're not here to antelope hunt, you're not here to deer yeah. hunt. Uh, go nuts, go wherever you want, do whatever you want. Just leave the deer alone. And if you see big bucks, just let us know. Tell it's us like, about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, tell us. Yeah, yeah. tell us about it. Exactly. And, and, and it's so it, it just seems strange to me. Uh, the hotels, the, you're going to small towns. I think of my little town. We have non-residents come there. I think of our grocery store. I think of, of the bar and restaurant we have in town. I live in a town of 700 people. Um, I'm not saying we get a huge influx in a, of, of, of out of, you know, suburbanites whatever you want to call them not from our area in the state of minnesota but we appreciate them yeah we, we want yeah. we want their dollars we want their economic impact why would we not do i like it when i pull up to one of my favorite spots and there's right. someone already there well i guess i should have been there earlier or maybe right. i've been somewhere else and it's my second or third spot i'm going to stop i keep <laughs> moving on there's plenty of uh, there's plenty of space in my mind too it's like uh, do we have enough space places to hunt I don't know, get out there and use Onyx Hunt. Yeah, when you get yeah. on that app and you can't find a place to hunt, shame on you. And and then also the other impact of non-residents going, let's just use South Dakota, for instance. I got to, let's just, no, let me back up. Let's think about all upland bird hunters that travel. They're not George Lyle and they're not Ben Bredigan. They're not out there for 45 days, 60 days. Some cases, in Ben's case, like all season long, we all wish for that, right? But they get like a weekend. They get a week, maybe. I bet you the number is literally 80% or more. 
people that consider themselves, especially pheasant hunters, if you polled the folks out there and said, how many days do you get to hunt? I don't know, guys. What do you think? Is it four days? Is it a long weekend? Is it one week max? I don't know. So that's my question because I, I, I'm the same way I hunt every day in the, in the fall. But if I travel somewhere, like, you know, everybody got all worked up about what's going on in Manitoba. And I get it in a sense because we go to Saskatchewan and we've got a place we can stay there and we've got access to land. And um, it's not leased land, but it's land we, we have access to. And we, we might stay up there for a couple of weeks. So if, if Saskatchewan were to go the way of Manitoba, we, we would definitely shorten our time in Saskatchewan and we'd not be, we would not be happy about it. But the average guy, maybe he only takes one trip to Canada. Maybe it is only a week long. It's probably three to five days. Um, do you think, you know, say Montana or, you know, maybe Montana is a bad example if you take multiple trips there, but if some of these states restrict non-residents, like say North Dakota, where you get two weeks, is that, is that really, I mean, when it happens, it's going to make headlines and people are going to get worked up about it. But in, at the end of the day, is that really going to change how many people are going there, taking trips to hunt there, and how much pressure there is, or is it gonna, you know, is it gonna maybe alleviate some pressure by the small amount of people that get to go there multiple times, but more importantly, alleviate land getting locked up by non-residents that essentially becomes a refuge for most of the season for all the local people that maybe used to hunt that land or hunt around the land. Do you think that, I think that is maybe the spirit of these new regulations is, is actually to increase some access for resident hunters? Yeah, so the, by the numbers, like for example, the, the numbers that Montana was basing kind of this, this new potential rule off of was um, essentially 81% of people that come to Montana to bird hunt, hunt between one and seven days. And then it's like 12% that hunts between 8 and 14. Um, so essentially that's like 93% of people hunt under 14 days. 6% hunted between 15 and 30 days. And then 1% hunt, hunted more than 30 days. So let's just say Montana's doing this regulation where you can't hunt over 30 days or something like that. Um, or 30 plus days. Like that's not that many people of, of the, I think they sold 9,800, uh, upland bird licenses. That's, that's not very many. I don't know what, what that percentage, but it's like essentially like 600 hunters would be impacted. Yeah. Um, and their thought is those 600 hunters are creating a larger impact than whatever, say, say 5,000 people that hunt between one and seven days, right? You get. 600 guys that are there for 30 days that's a lot of you know i guess hunting days in comparison so i i guess we'll just have to move there oh, yeah. <laughs> just have to become residents i guess well yeah. you know when you think about south dakota and they have the two five-day periods i mean i don't know it doesn't affect me um per se i mean it if it affects you I'm, I have bird dogs willing to travel, right? So I don't think about the cost necessarily of what a license costs me. I'm going. My Here. dogs need to go. I need to go. So you can buy as many South Dakota upland hunting licenses as you want. 
Okay. They just come in 10 day increments. So, so you can buy multiple. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Cause I was going to say with us living out here on the Western edge of Minnesota, I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd probably go to South Dakota more often if, I had more opportunity, you know, if it wasn't a kind of a limited license. We could run day trips out there. We're we all we're yeah. all close enough, you know. Yeah. Well, we know and that's, that's probably, like the, you know, and that's what they're looking at, right? Yeah. But the, so, the percentage is probably the same as Montana, you know. Half the guys that buy the license probably only use one of their 5-day periods. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I I agree. I, agree. I mean, I, I buy the 10-day license, sometimes I'm only there for 3 days out of the yeah. 10 out of the 10 useful. I live, you guys have been to my place. I'm looking at South Dakota. Right. <laughs> here's, yeah. here's, here, here's what's really moronic for me. I buy the 10 day. Do I ever go, wow, South Dakota's one mile away. All I need to do is change my dates. And I can go over there and hunt, hunt five days when I'm at home. I've never done it. This year, I'm going to do it. I'm going to. I only well, go for the first five days. I'll, I'll schedule something the other five days. It's just crazy. How I've never done it. I, my farm looks right at South Dakota. Yeah, George, and I love your farm. But the one mistake you made is you should have probably built it one mile to the west. <laughs> oh my gosh, uh, for sure, for sure. I love Minnesota for. Well, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> South, right. Dakota would be, South Dakota would be great, and you're right. Yeah, I love it. 15 miles, actually. Well, before we, we get into too much of the politics of it, we'll uh, we'll end her there. But, um, man, Ben, we didn't even talk about new Onyx stuff. Let's just have you on again here soon. We talk more Sounds about Sounds like Onyx a plan. Stuff. We've got a lot of new stuff coming down the pike. So, Coming soon, a new yeah. mapping experience. You have to say it like that, I think. Well, only if you're you and weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was true. like, man, I don't remember that VO. Like, that's kind of cool. <laughs> I can make that happen. Are you hiring? One of you yeah. guys changed their voices for a second. That was awesome. <laughs> Here, let's do that again. I've got another one, too. Oh, okay. Coming soon. <laughs> a new mapping experience. How, which one do you guys like better? I'm ready to go with the first. The second one, yeah, second for sure. One. <laughs> it fits 2023. It's, it's unexpected. Yes. <laughs> That's right. Oh, All right. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, we're uh, going to get canceled. Ben Bredigan, George Lyle, uh, good luck this fall. Let's let's plan a trip, uh, even if it's right here in western Minnesota. Let's get together and uh, chase some birds around and, uh, you know, maybe have a couple of beverages. Guys, thanks for uh, – good luck this fall, and thanks for the time today on the show. Likewise. Uh, thanks for having us, and I'll just throw this out there to all four of you. The invite's out there, the, the door is open, you know what's inside my refrigerator. So David, <laughs> don't be a stranger. The other three hoodlums, come on down, let's do something. Let's, let's do have it. some fun. Love, Love it. it. Sporting Journal Radio is a division of Macaba LLC. If you've got a question, comment, or story idea for us, send us an email. Go to sportingjournalradio.com. While you're there, you can learn how to advertise on the show and visit our store for hats, hoodies, coffee mugs, and more. Go to sportingjournalradio.com.